Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I've been a police officer in Salem City for over 10 years now. 
and I've heard all sorts of strange stories from the locals. But one particular report still sends shivers down my spine whenever I think about it. It happened in the early spring of 1992, and it concerned a man named Dan and his girlfriend who were driving down Vitey Springs Road at around 10 p.m. Dan and his girlfriend were heading southwest of Salem when they saw something that they couldn't believe. A Bigfoot was standing in the middle of the road, holding a large plastic garbage bag. The creature seemed just as startled as they were and dropped the bag before running off into the darkness. Curiosity getting the better of them, the couple checked the bag and found it filled with old coffee cups. They immediately reported the sighting to the police, and the cups were turned over as evidence. The witness kept some of the cups as a gag, but the rest were handed over to the museum for further study. The witness described the creature as black, standing on two legs, with ape-like features and no neck. It looked surprised when it saw them and then squawked before running away. It was a chilling experience, and I couldn't help but wonder what other strange creatures might be lurking in the shadows of our city. I decided to check the area around where the sighting happened, and I talked to a bookkeeper at a nearby furniture store. The bookkeeper had 20 acres of land nearby and had never experienced any problems or heard anything unusual in the past. However, he did mention that he heard strange howling sounds the year before. The encounter with the Bigfoot may seem like a wild story, but I believe the couple's account. There are still so many mysteries in this world, and we have yet to uncover all of them. As for me, I will continue to keep an open mind and investigate any reports that come my way, no matter how strange they may seem. I am Red Hawk, a proud warrior of Apache tribe. I have always defended my people and our land, and now, faced with a threat like none we have ever known, I must do so once again. The signs were all there, the mangled carcasses of animals littering our once peaceful hunting grounds. No ordinary beast could have done this, and our elders whispered of an ancient legend, a creature that had not been seen for generations. As the tribe's most skilled hunter and fighter, it was my duty to find this monster and put an end to its reign of terror. I ventured deep into the forest, following the trail of destruction left by the unknown cryptid. The tracks were enormous, unlike anything I had ever seen. Fear gripped my heart, but I knew I had to be brave for the sake of my people. I continued my pursuit, fueled by determination and the hope that I could save my tribe from this horrifying menace. After days of tracking the creature, I finally caught sight of it. The beast was massive, with fearsome claws and teeth that could tear through flesh and bone with ease. Its eyes burned with an eerie, unnatural light. It was clear that this was no ordinary animal, but a monster born of darkness and nightmare. We engaged in a fierce battle, our deadly dance taking us through the forest and across treacherous ravines. Despite my best efforts, the creature's strength and speed were unparalleled. It inflicted terrible wounds upon me, but I fought on, refusing to give in. I knew that the fate of my tribe rested on my shoulders. As our struggle continued, I realized that I would not be able to defeat the creature through brute force alone. In a final, desperate act, I decided to lower it towards a steep cliff, knowing that the fall would either kill or gravely injure the cryptid. With my last remaining strength, I charged at the monster, 
pushing us both over the edge. We plummeted towards the ground, the creature's terrible cries echoing through the air. As we hit the earth, I felt my own bones shatter, my lifeblood seeping into the soil. The cryptid lay nearby, crippled and defeated, its furious eyes now dimmed with pain and fear. As I lay dying, I knew that I had fulfilled my duty as a warrior. I had protected my people and driven the creature away, even at the cost of my own life. The legend of Red Hawk would live on, and my tribe would be safe, their future secured by the sacrifice I had made. My vision began to fade, the shadows of the forest closing in around me. I smiled, knowing that I had not failed my people. I had faced the unknown and emerged victorious, and now, I could finally find peace. I have been a park ranger in a national park located in England for just over 10 years. I'm not going to reveal which one or even the county for the sake of my job, as I still work here. But there are some pretty weird things that you find every so often while on shift. Things that my superiors would likely not appreciate me sharing online. My job mainly involves patrolling the trails and checking that they're all in a safe state for people to walk through. I was also asked to talk with school children in assemblies and such after about a year or so on the job to express how important it is to stay with the group on the trails. I gave pretty obvious reasons for this, but little did I know I would soon discover some of the horrifying truths as to why they should never wander off. The first story I'm going to share with you took place on a beautiful spring morning in June, I think this was during my first year on the job. The sun was still low in the sky but it was slowly rising and brightening my surroundings. I was on a normal morning patrol through one of the deeper trails as it hadn't been checked recently, and protocol to frequently check all the trails for fallen trees and any potential natural hazards to hikers. It was such a beautiful morning, I remember walking along with a slight smile on my face as I listened to nature waking up in the trees. I found the cool breeze very relaxing, and it had a truly peaceful effect on my mood. Suddenly, the trees to my left were filled with the sounds of birds squawking loudly as they frantically flew away. I stopped and listened for just a moment, silence. A quote from another story I have read here reads very true to this situation. Prey is silent when predators are near. Now, understand that we don't have any bears or wolves here in England, nothing like that. So, I suppose it could be a deer that had snapped a twig. However, the noise wouldn't usually drop like that as deer don't pose much of a threat to wildlife at all. I continued on, not thinking anything of it, and after a short time, I got the urge to check behind me. There was a man walking maybe 100 meters back, and I was on a long straight, so it was easy to tell. I was confused as the trails aren't usually used until a little later when early dog walkers would show up, and even then, Few would wander this far into the woods at this time. He seemed to be walking at a very relaxed pace, his hands in his dark blue hoodie's pockets, and he had faded blue jeans. I radioed over to ask if anyone had seen someone enter the trail I was walking shortly after I left, but no one had seen anyone come in or out other than the occasional dog walker. I thought nothing of it but continued on a slightly hurried pace. I usually wouldn't be bothered about it, being out on my own with another stranger. 
I wasn't a small bloke nor someone to get spooked easily. However, this guy just gave me a bad feeling. I was approaching a gate that leads to a much denser area of the woodland, more like a thick forest. And as I closed the gate behind me, I noticed this man had stopped dead in his tracks. He seemed to be staring right at me, but I couldn't be sure. Then he broke into a sprint, not a light jog that somebody out for exercise might. I'm talking a full-on sprint. It was almost aggressive. I freaked out and turned to run. Why would a complete stranger who was previously so calm and relaxed suddenly be sprinting at me? He hadn't called for help or even waved to me. Fortunately, the trail's long straight section was over and I ran around a curve and in behind one of the many large rocks that were by the side of the trail. I could hear his heavy footsteps thudding towards me right until he was just on the other side of the rock, and he stopped again dead in his tracks. He wasn't even out of breath, he just seemed to stand there for a while and then just walked off. I waited for what must have been close to 10 minutes to be sure he was far ahead and radioed the strange encounter to my colleagues who agreed it was strange. I cautiously continued on with my patrol. I never saw that strange man again, and I hope I never do. I have many more memories I would like to share with you. Stay safe out there, you are rarely truly alone in the forest. I've never been one to believe in things like Bigfoot or other mysterious creatures lurking in the woods. That is, until I heard the story from my friend's encounter with Littlefoot. It was the fall of 1992 and my friend was out fishing on the Sandy River, not far from where he lived off Coleman Road. He was kneeling on a rocky sandbar, tinkering with his fishing gear when he heard a noise in the trees just a few feet away. When he looked up, he was met with the sight of a short, hairy creature staring back at him. It was only about three and a half feet tall, covered in black-brown shaggy fur with red eyes that seemed to bore right into his soul. My friend froze, unsure of what to do, but then the creature growled at him and he knew it was time to run. He took off as fast as he could, never looking back. When he was at a safe distance, he turned back to see if the creature was following him, but it was gone. He made his way back home as quickly as he could and told me and some of our other friends about what he had seen. Of course, we didn't believe him at first, but the evidence he found at the scene was hard to ignore. When he was fishing, he found the remains of a fish, most likely a steelhead, that had been picked clean, with only the skeleton and head remaining on a rock. He also found the remains of a mallard duck, with all its feathers neatly picked off and the head bitten off also on a nearby rock. It was all just too strange to be a coincidence. We didn't know what to make of it, but we couldn't deny that something unusual had happened to our friend that day. From that point on, we all became a little more cautious when spending time in the woods. We never knew what might be out there, watching us from the shadows. Around 5.30 a.m., I received a call about a hulking figure seen lurking about near the intersection of US 2 and 41. I arrived at the scene to discover that a female motorist had witnessed the creature crossing in front of her vehicle as she traveled along US 2 into town. Additionally, I talked with two hunters who had also seen the same creature. The first hunter stated that he was nearly run off the road by it, 
while the other told me directly that he had encountered it firsthand. The witnesses are all experienced hunters familiar with what they should be seeing out there in order to safely navigate their way through these woods, all during deer season. One witness specifically said that he has never seen anything like this before, but it definitely was not human. It was massive, black, or really dark brown. I could not tell what direction it was headed, it all happened so fast. I described the area near where I made contact with the witness as being very wet and overgrown with lots of thick underbrush. I also said that it's known to be an area where hunters have complained about encountering strange phenomena while out in the woods during hunting season. I stated that normally when I receive calls like this, they come from local townspeople who are also unfamiliar with the territory and making them easily identifiable and spotted by officers on patrol. I went on to say that these two specific eyewitnesses were definitely not locals, having spent most of their lives living in part of the Upper Peninsula. I said that my well over a decade of patrolling the area, I've never had to respond to something like this before, although it's no doubt harvested my interest in researching and hunting these reported creatures. My name is Akita and I am the shaman of Chickasaw tribe. For weeks now, I have been tormented by prophetic dreams, visions of a monstrous creature that brings death and destruction to my people. I knew I had to act, or the nightmare would become a reality. With my tribe's blessing, I embarked on a perilous journey to confront the beast and save my people. The creature was a shapeshifter, a malevolent spirit that could assume the forms of various animals making it nearly impossible to predict its movements. I knew that my spiritual powers and knowledge of nature would be crucial in this battle. I traveled deep into the wilderness, following the trail of devastation left by the creature. Days turned into weeks as I tracked the shapeshifter, witnessing the carnage it left in its wake. I knew that time was running out, and I needed to act quickly if I wanted to save my tribe. One night, as I rested under the stars, I received a vision. I saw a clearing in the forest where I would confront the beast. With renewed determination, I followed my vision, and soon found myself standing in the heart of the clearing. As I prepared for battle, the creature revealed itself. It was a monstrous, ever-changing mass of fur and scales, a horrifying amalgamation of the animals it had consumed. It snarled, and I felt the weight of its malevolent presence bearing down on me. Drawing upon the spirits of the earth and the wisdom of my ancestors, I used my powers to weaken the creature. I called upon the forces of nature to bind and immobilize it, trapping it within a circle of living vines. But the shapeshifter was more powerful than I had imagined. It struggled and roared, tearing through the vines and lunging toward me. As it charged, I desperately called upon the spirits once more, but it was too late. The shapeshifter overpowered me, sinking its teeth into my flesh. I fell to the ground, my strength fading, as I watched the creature turn and race toward my tribe. In my final moments, I realized that the prophecy could not be averted. The nightmare I had fought so hard to prevent was unfolding before my very eyes. As darkness consumed me, I prayed for the souls of my people, and hoped that one day, another would rise to avenge us and put an end to the shapeshifter's reign of terror.
My cousin and I were on a camping trip to the Bohemia Mine area like we do at least two times a year. This was in 1992 or 1993 I'd be live in August. We set up camp and then hiked around until evening then came back and made dinner. After dinner it was dark so we went up to Lookout Tower which besides Bohemia Mountain itself was the highest peak about 6,000 feet. There was a meteor shower that weekend and we went up to watch it. We stayed up there till about 21 I think and then went back to our camp. We stayed up for about half of an hour then went to bed. We had a three-man tent to sleep in. At about 22-23 I was just about to fall asleep when I started hearing branches breaking like something walking through the woods towards us. It started a ways away from our camp and kept getting closer. My cousin was calling my name and asking me if I had heard the sounds but I was concentrating on listening to them and too scared to answer him so I just lay there like I was asleep. We had taken his car up there and we parked it about 100 feet away from our tent because there was too many branches and stuff to drive it all the way up to the tent. The noises stopped and all of a sudden there was high pitched and fast whoop, whoop, whoop that from about where his car was parked. My cousin asked what that noise was and said nothing because it scared me to death. Then it started walking our way and we just laid there and listened and it got closer and closer to our tent until it came about a couple of feet away. We were so scared we laid there and didn't move a muscle because whatever it was had been walking on two feet not four. It stopped making noise a couple of feet away and we couldn't hear any walking until we could hear it was right next to the tent it had snuck up real quiet we could hear it breathing. When my cousin moved a leg it scared whatever was outside our tent and it took off running and we could hear the individual steps that hit the ground like thunder. It sounded very heavy. It ran off about 50 feet and stopped. Then it would start walking back towards us, got within about 10 feet. Then we couldn't hear it anymore. Then all of a sudden it was right next to the tent. It had snuck up real quiet again to our tent. It could move very quiet when it chose to. It moved from one side of the tent to the other quietly and fast. It would be on one side and then the other before we knew it. It did this pretty much all night. It had left once then came back. Finally we fell asleep off and on. In the morning we looked for tracks but there was too much forest litter to see any. We did not have any protection with us at the time and I have never been so scared in my life. I have believed in Sasquatch pretty much all my life. My cousin and I go up there a couple of times a year to look for evidence and hope to have another encounter, but if not, I have hunted since I was a little boy with my father and continue to hunt today and I know the sounds deer, elk and other four-legged creatures make when walking and this creature defiantly was walking on two legs. Deer usually visit our camp when we go up there and we can hear them coming in the dark, they get close and we can see them in the flashlight. I have read other accounts in books after hours and have found a few similarities, like the heavy footsteps when it ran, the whoop, whoop, whoop we heard is also in Roosevelt's account I believe as well as others. My cousin and I have read books about the 40s and some of the miners reported seeing Bigfoot, there is also other reports from the Cottage Grove area that I have from old newspapers. I have became a volunteer researcher and have read a lot of reports and my cousin and I have gone over this in our heads to make sure that it couldn't have been another animal that visited us and we know that it was a Sasquatch.
I grew up in a small town near Wallawa Lake in Oregon, and I've always been fascinated by the stories of the Wallawa Lake Monster, or Wally, as some locals call it. My grandfather used to tell me tales about the creature when I was a child, and I was always on the lookout for any signs of its existence whenever I visited the lake. One summer, when I was in my early 20s, I decided to go camping at Wallawa Lake with a group of friends. We had a great time hiking, swimming, and exploring the area, but I couldn't shake my fascination with the Wallawa Lake monster. I asked some of the locals if they had ever seen it, but most of them just shrugged it off as a silly legend. One night, while we were sitting around the campfire, one of my friends told a story about a fisherman who had claimed to have seen the Wallawa Lake monster while out on his boat. He described it as a hump-shaped creature, about 20 feet long, with rough, scaly skin and glowing red eyes. The fisherman had been so terrified that he never went back to the lake again. As we all sat around the fire, listening to the story, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. What if the Wallawa Lake monster was real? What if it was watching us right now? The next day, I decided to rent a kayak and go out on the lake to see if I could spot anything unusual. As I paddled around the calm waters, I felt a sense of excitement and fear. What if I actually saw the monster? But as the sun began to set and I still hadn't seen anything out of the ordinary, I began to feel disappointed. Maybe the Wallawa Lake monster was just a myth after all. Just as I was about to head back to shore, I heard a strange sound coming from the water behind me. It was a deep, guttural growl, unlike anything I had ever heard before. My heart raced as I turned my kayak around, and I couldn't believe what I saw. There, just a few feet away from me, was a hump-shaped creature with rough, scaly skin and glowing red eyes. It was easily 20 feet long, and it looked just like the descriptions I had heard all my life. I was paralyzed with fear, but the creature didn't seem interested in me. It swam away quickly, disappearing into the depths of the lake. As I paddled back to shore, my mind was racing. I had finally seen the Wallawa Lake monster, and I couldn't believe it. But now that I had seen it with my own eyes, I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets the lake was hiding. I remember the night my colleagues told me about their encounter with the strange creature in the suburbs of Minneapolis. It was roughly 1 a.m., in the middle of the night, and they were driving along the side of the road. The environment was dark and the lights were flickering, creating an eerie atmosphere. According to them, they saw a tall figure, almost 10 feet in height, standing on the side of the road. It was white slash grayish in color and had no identifiable facial features. The creature was skinny and had no hair, clothes, or genitalia. Despite its humanoid shape, it was unlike anything they had ever seen before. My colleagues were not superstitious and did not believe in ghosts. They were rational people who had never reported anything like this before. However, they were both adamant about what they saw and their stories matched up perfectly they saw the same thing. To this day, they never saw the creature again. It remains a mystery, a strange and unexplained encounter that will forever be etched in their memories. I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine as they told me their story.
The thought of encountering such a creature in the dead of night is enough to make anyone feel uneasy. I had been a police officer for 10 years and had seen my fair share of strange things. But nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered at Graceland Cemetery. It was a quiet night, just past midnight, when the call came in. There had been reports of strange activity at the cemetery, and I was the closest officer on duty. As I made my way through the winding roads leading to the cemetery, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was off. When I arrived, I saw that the gate was wide open. It was strange since the cemetery was supposed to be closed for the night. I walked cautiously into the cemetery, my flashlight guiding my way. As I approached a particular gravestone, I saw a figure standing near it. At first, I thought it was just a person paying their respects to the deceased, but as I got closer, I realized that this was no ordinary person. It was a tall figure with a pale complexion and piercing red eyes. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. I tried to call out to it, but it just stood there, staring at me. Suddenly, the figure started to move towards me. I tried to back away, but I was rooted to the spot. It was then that I realized that I was facing something beyond my understanding. It was like the creature was toying with me, playing with my mind. I don't remember how long I stood there, frozen in fear. But the next thing I knew, the creature was gone, vanished into the night. I was left alone with my thoughts, trying to make sense of what I had just experienced. In the days that followed, Mineral Point was gripped by a strange epidemic of mass hysteria. People reported seeing the same creature I had encountered in the cemetery. It was like a vampire had descended upon our quiet town, and there was no escaping its grasp. Over the years, there were sudden outbreaks and bizarre crimes that were attributed to the Mineral Point vampire. But despite all efforts to catch the creature, it remained elusive, always lurking in the shadows, waiting for its next victim. Now, years later, I still can't shake off the memory of that fateful night. The Mineral Point vampire may be gone, but the fear it instilled in me remains. Every time I pass by Graceland Cemetery, I can't help but wonder if the creature is still out there, waiting for its next victim. Okay, I will first start this with saying I've never believed in the mythical creature crap but after what I saw I kinda have changed my mind. I was walking in the woods behind my house last Monday, I was on a dirt road and all of a sudden I heard a very 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 loud thump on the ground, like if a 20,000 pound bull could run, and I kinda ran to try to get a glimpse of it, thinking it was a deer, I saw a person-like figure, very very dark, it could've be dark because of shadows or what not, the time was 5 in the afternoon by the way, broad daylight. Anyway, it was kinda skinny but not really, it looked like it had horns but I couldn't really tell because I only saw it for a split second before it absolutely bolted off, and any time I go in the woods I carry a gun, I decided to carry a shotgun today, seeing what I thought was some meth head or mythical creature I pulled my shotgun off of my back and kept walking a little down the road and I immediately called my friend and told him what happened. I wasn't worried in the moment considering I had a gun because nothing is bulletproof and I kept walking and I got a feeling to just turn around. So that's what I did. 
After processing what I saw, the whole way home I was looking behind my shoulder, I would take about two steps and look behind me, but whatever I saw it didn't make any noises, it just ran off, it didn't trot off like a deer, it ran like a person. I told my brother today about it and he told me that within the year he was outside at night with our dad just in my driveway and he saw something hunched over, no hair, pointy ears and grayish in color run past, probably about 30 miles per hour, from a corner of the house to a car parked right next to it, this was about 10 feet away from him by the way, and he at first thought it was a person and he went and looked behind the car and there wasn't anything there, he also looked under and didn't see anything. He said it was absolutely quiet as well, he asked our dad if he heard or saw anything and he said no, so he didn't know what he saw. The thing my brother described didn't sound like what I saw but I believe him, I wonder how long this creature or creatures have been out there. I'm very creeped out though and I really don't want to go back out there anyway. I'm not asking you to believe me because just a week ago if I read this I would say this is fakus but not any damn more. I'm just asking for some help to understand what I saw. I couldn't believe my ears when I heard about the discovery of a goblin fetus in Mexico. The news had spread like wildfire on the internet, with people from all over the world debating the identity of the freaky find. As a journalist, I couldn't resist the urge to investigate. I traveled to Santa Maria Regla, where the alleged orkling was found, to get to the bottom of the mystery. The mummified corpse was reportedly unearthed during construction work on a derelict warehouse. The photos I saw showed a small body with pointy ears, a large nose, gnarled claw-tipped hands and feet, and no identifiable gender. It looked like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. The municipal mayor in town, Francisco Mayoral Flores, quickly labeled the remains a goblin or a nagual, a Mesoamerican mythical creature that can transform into an animal. He believed that the discovery was relevant due to the cultural and social demand to give it importance. However, not everyone was convinced by Flora's explanation. Social media was abuzz with skepticism, with some people suggesting that it was a malformed fetus of a cat or dog. Doctors and vets were even called in to confirm the identity of the creature. As I visited the Museo de los Duendes, also known as the Goblin Museum, where the goblin baby was currently on display, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. The small, mummified body looked eerie and out of place in the glass case. Despite the controversy surrounding the discovery, it was clear that the people in Santa Maria Regla took their mythology seriously. As I left the museum, I wondered if there was more to this story than just a simple case of mistaken identity. Friday night I was near Blue River in Colorado. We couldn't make it to the actual campsite so we car camped for the night. Got a fire going and watched the full moon slowly peek up over the mountains. After a couple hours, we heard something that I thought was an elk bugle at first. But elk don't typically bugle at night, not that I've heard of at least. Then it started changing tones and went to a higher pitch. It changed tones and pitch a few different times. It wasn't screaming or anything like that, but it was eerie. It was going on for a solid minute before anyone said anything. 
At which point we were all weirded out because we've never heard anything like that. I've listened to every animal I could think of in the area, from mountain lions to owls, and nothing matches the sound we heard. One of my friends described it almost like a siren song. Does anyone have any ideas on what it could be? I never thought I would see anything like it. It was just another day driving home from work with my two buddies Seamus and Sterling. We had just finished work and were driving down the road when we saw it, under the streetlight. We couldn't quite make out what it was at first, but as we got closer, we realized it was no ordinary animal. Seamus shouted, guys, look at that. And that's when we all saw it. The figure was slouched over and had very long arms, it had an ape-like face, and it was huge. We had never seen anything like it before. At first, we thought it was a really big animal, but it didn't run like one. It ran in a very ape-like way. As soon as it noticed us, it turned in our direction. We were terrified. We had heard of the legendary Yowie, but we never thought we would come face to face with one. Sterling said we were in utter disbelief of what we were seeing. It didn't make sense to us, and we were all confused and scared. After the encounter, we couldn't stop talking about what we saw. We went on a few hikes to see if we could find anything, but we didn't have any luck. We even talked to the locals, and they told us they had seen evidence of the Yowie before. I never believed in anything like this before, but after that experience, I know there's something out there. Something big and scary. I hardly slept that night, and I felt overwhelmed that I had seen something that I never believed in previously. It's an experience that will stay with me forever. I have always been fascinated by tales of creatures that lurk in the depths of the ocean or rivers. So when I came across a story about a cryptid from Greenland, I was immediately intrigued. The creature was described as a large rodent-like creature, similar in form to a rat or mouse, but with a long and sharp tail made of steel or iron. According to the legend, the creature would swim underwater, sneaking up on boats and ships and using its sharp tail to poke holes in them, causing them to sink. Once the ships were submerged, the creature would feast on the humans aboard. As terrifying as the tale was, it only became more frightening when I learned that it was often told to children to scare them into staying inside at night. The thought of this creature lurking beneath the waves, waiting to attack unsuspecting victims, sent shivers down my spine. But the story didn't end there. There was also a tale of a little girl and her father who were leaving Greenland on separate ships, as the ships separated passengers by sex. The little girl arrived safely on land, but soon heard the terrible news that her father's ship had been sunk by the cryptid. As I delved deeper into the story, I found myself becoming more and more obsessed with this mysterious creature. I scoured the internet for any information I could find, but to no avail. It was as if the creature had vanished into thin air. Despite my frustration, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to the story than what was being told. Perhaps there were others who had encountered the creature and had their own tales to share. And maybe, just maybe, I could be the one to uncover the truth about this elusive cryptid.
So I live in a town in the Blue Mountains Australia in a place known for Yowie and Panther sightings, and I have heard strange calls coming from the nearby bush before. So a few months ago I was riding my bike on some old fire trails and I just felt really strange all of a sudden but I kept going. So first I went by a sewage treatment facility and felt really of like something was watching me, then I went down a hill and decided to go down to some nearby waterfalls. As I was going down to the falls I again felt really of and worried I then saw the guys walking by and I stopped and looked around and felt this overwhelming dread come over me so I decided to book it back up the hill and I could hear cracking from the bush and I kept looking behind me but there was nothing there. I've heard of drug addicts that live down in that area of town but they usually camp deep in the bush and don't really come out. I've also heard of a Yowie that lives in the area called Fat Foot but as far as I know no one has seen him in years. Since then I haven't really been down those fire trails but there was another one where I also felt off. Anyone know what it could be? Here is one of the creepiest encounters I've ever, which took place in the spring of 2015. It's important to the story to know that I was basically a huge jerk leading up to what happened. See, I'm a graduate student and I was at this point about 6 to 8 months into a new relationship with a woman named Sarah. If it matters, I am female and we were both around 30 at this time, the prior year, before I met Sarah, my best bud from school Josh and I had gone on a great camping slash road trip over spring break. This year, I messed up and basically double booked myself to go camping with Josh and with my GF, because I am a scatterbrained idiot and I got confused about what plans have been discussed slash solidified. Both Josh and Sarah were justifiably really pissed off and hurt, but I had made the plan with my girlfriend first, ultimately, so I had to flake on Joshua when it came time to planning, Sarah and I picked a campground in southwestern Pennsylvania with lots of good hiking. It's at least a 5 hour drive from where we live. We made reservations and I mentioned the plan to Joshua well, it turns out, of all the campgrounds in the region, Josh had also decided to head to that one as it connected to a long bike trail he wanted to go on. He had decided to go camping alone, so we knew Josh would be at the campground before we got there, but things were super awkward between me and him on account of my being an asshole and him being generally a bit depressed around that time. We stayed three nights and Josh was there for the first and second night. We'd rented out a small cabin, basically a prefab shed with bunk beds, because it was cheap and we have a leash reactive, wimpy about rain dog and it's sometimes easier that way. Josh was tent camping in another spot. I think Josh and I were mostly planning on avoiding each other, he was rightfully still angry, things were awkward and I figured he needed some space from me, but it turned out only one bathroom was open on our side of the campground, since it was only early April and most of the campground was still closed down for the season. Josh's campsite was right next to the open bathroom, so we ended up seeing him when we walked to the bathroom at night. I saw heard signs of one or two other groups on the far side of the campground but they had their own bathroom open over there and we never really saw them. It's a very large and forested campground and only small sections at either end were open for the season. The second night, Josh was out on his campsite when we came through to the bathroom before bed. It was after midnight at this point. 
Josh seemed super depressed and we had a very strange and awkward conversation with him, took care of what we needed to in the bathroom and headed back to our little shed, down the road. The roads in this part of the campground were basically like an inverted F, with the bathroom above the top of the F. In between the two arms of the F was a stand of trees next to the main road, a small, locked shower building and Josh's campsite, furthest from the main road, the main road being the vertical line of the F. We were staying off the main road further down on the opposite side. So that night we'd cut past Josh's camp to get to the bathroom but on the way back, we followed the road, so as not to bother him, as he seemed in a bad mood. It was dark and I'm easily spooked. We had the dog with us, which was somewhat reassuring, since he looks semi-tough, despite being a nutcase and a wimp. But I'm looking around nervously, and as I glance over my shoulder, I think I see a man off to the side of us. My brain processes this very slowly, as I just caught a glimpse of him as I turned my head, and it was very dark. I convinced myself my mind was playing tricks. I didn't look back and silently walked with Sarah and the dog back to our cabin. When we got back to the cabin, I thought Sarah looked a little spooked, which is unusual, since she's a lot braver than me. Eventually she says, that guy was really creepy, right? So shit. He was real. I told her I saw him but had convinced myself my eyes were playing tricks on me. But no. We both saw someone with no flashlight standing in the trees just off the road, maybe 15 feet from us. I asked if it might have been Joshua neither of us were really convinced, but wanted to convince ourselves so we could get some sleep. And he had been wandering around being moody 15 minutes before, and it was right by his campsite. I think we didn't want to freak ourselves out any further, so we locked the cabin and didn't talk about it much more. The next morning it was pouring rain so Josh decided to pack up and leave early instead of spending the day in the area. We shouted goodbye to him as we headed to the bathroom and he ran around tossing shit in his trunk and trying not to get drenched. That night was a weekend and there was a big family in the cabin next to ours and everything felt far less spooky. But when we got back to town a day later, I texted Josh, asking him if he'd been lurking creepily in the woods. He said no. Well, I told him what we'd seen and he said he'd seen a guy the prior night lurking in the woods without a flashlight. Same general description, which I'll get to, same area. The guy had really creeped him out, so much so that the next day he bought the biggest maglight he could find, so he'd have more than just a pocket knife to defend himself. But he'd also mostly convinced himself it was a park ranger. Yeah, with no flashlight, let alone a vehicle but he more or less willed himself to believe it so he could get some sleep. So, once we could no longer pretend it was Josh, Sarah and I compared notes. What we both saw, and what Josh saw the night before, was this, a tall, gaunt white man in his late 40s, with clean-shaven sunken cheeks, in the stand of trees slash bramble just off the road, in the space between the arms of the F. He was wearing a raincoat, rubber boots and a hat, and had no flashlight. He was just standing still and staring coldly in our direction. I remember his raincoat, his sunken face and how very cold his gaze felt. In contrast, Josh is several inches shorter than whoever we saw, was not wearing a raincoat that night, which we knew because we'd just seen him, 
but we convinced ourselves otherwise bearded, 29 years old at the time, I should add, it wasn't raining. To be clear, where this guy was was not somewhere you'd be strolling through, it was a thick brambly area. He had made the effort to move out of the road and to stay in the shadows and away from the bright bathroom light, both nights. We're sure he wasn't going to the bathroom, though we were on the women's side. You can hear the men's side clearly and Josh had been outside in view of the bathroom doors both nights. He didn't look like he lived in the woods, which is to say, he appeared clean and groomed, and his clothes weren't worn or dirty. Whatever he may have been doing in the middle of the night in a nearly abandoned campground with no flashlight, he was clearly making an effort not to be seen. We all discussed it and Josh ultimately called the campground to let them know. They said they'd check it out. Although my camping fees were mysteriously refunded, we never heard anything more. Josh is still a little mad at me for seeing a potential murderer lurking the woods near his tent and not doing anything. Out of curiosity, we just checked to see if anything had happened in the park. A number of people have gone missing in the state park over the years, some slightly mysteriously. Most were found downriver and believed to have fallen into the rapids on accident. I'm sure it's unrelated, but the whole place gives me the creeps. And I still can't figure out what that man was doing. So last year around November-September I was driving home late at night, 2 or 3 am, from my buddy who lived on the other side of the city, with my bike. I was stoned as f when I was leaving, me and my buddy smoked a lot that evening. I had two routes in my head that time that get me home. One was 13 kilometers long trough a forest. The other was a much longer route trough the city around the forest. For info I live in Hanover, Germany the city is pretty much built around these big forests. I decided to go for the forest route which was already a bad choice since I didn't have any lights on my mountain bike and the forest is very dark at night. But I've been driving this route often since the other route is just waste of time. Was an easy decision for me back then since I'm a 2 meters tall male and was armed with a knife. So I'm rolling into the forest and my route trough it was this asphalted track for inline skaters and bikers. It goes all the way trough. I'm pulling out my cell phone to activate the camera light since this was my only light source. I hadn't realized I forgot to charge the phone at my buddy's house. So my phone has this option when it's below 5% battery level you can only activate the camera light for a few seconds. Till it turns off automatically and you need to turn it on again. Needless to say it was quite stressful to drive like that. Always the light turning on and off. It rained that night too but not much, more like foggy fine rain. I don't know what it's called in English but we call it in German Niesel. Cause of that I only could see what was close in front of me like 10 or 15 meters view only. 3-4 kilometers in, the track takes a sharp curve. After I was taking it I would see a white figure standing next to the road. It was dark as f late and am literally in the middle of the forest. I was thinking about returning but I decided in a matter of seconds to keep going since I had a lot speed on. I was rushing trough the forest. When I spotted the figure I couldn't see much since I was like 20 meter away but in seconds when I came closer I could see that it was a man in white jacket. Just standing there in darkness. 
Like I said my phone was keep putting out the light so I would have seen it if he had a light when my phone's light was off. So I'm going full speed towards the creepy guy standing next to the road. I was about 5 meter now from him and he was just standing there motionless. Like not even turning his head. Light goes out. 4 meter now. 3. 2. I put the light back on, and bypass him. I see him in the face. He was the most unhygienic looking man I've ever seen. Full nasty beard like a homeless guy just staring at the track. It was this moment I would feel a heavy rumble under my tires. I almost crashed. The track where the man stood was full off sticks and branches. Like a barricade. I think my mountain bike tires were saving my ass that day. Needless to say I have bike lights now and don't take that route at night anymore. My friends said they saw a cryptid when they were younger, around 9 years ago and that later they saw an image of it online. I've been searching for it but with no luck, please help me find it. Here's the description they gave me, it was brown and flaky looking, roughly human sized and walked backwards on all fours and had long sharp tusk like teeth that went downwards. They said it looked scary and like it could hurt them but that wasn't aggressive. They saw it at night upon opening their back door in a city in New South Wales Australia and said that it scampered through their house and that it was somewhat fast. I asked if it was a wandering Sigbin and they said it wasn't. I couldn't believe it when I heard the news about Larry Doyle Sanders. I've known him for years, and while he's always been a little eccentric, I never thought he was capable of something like this. It all started with a fishing trip. Larry and his friend Jimmy Knighton went noodling on the South Canadian River last Saturday. I wasn't there, but I heard from others that something went wrong. A confrontation occurred, and Jimmy didn't make it out alive. When authorities questioned Larry about what happened, his story was even more bizarre than anyone could have imagined. He claimed that Jimmy was planning to feed him to Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot. According to the affidavit obtained by the Oklahoman, Larry said that Jimmy intended to feed him to Sasquatch slash Bigfoot. Larry believed that Jimmy was trying to escape so that Sasquatch could eat him. He couldn't let that happen, so he punched and struck Jimmy with a stick, and they fought on the ground for an extended period of time. It's hard to know what to believe. Did Larry really think Jimmy was trying to feed him to Sasquatch? Or was it just an excuse for his violent behavior? Either way, it's a tragic situation. Jimmy's body was found in the river the next day, and Larry has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder. I can't imagine what Jimmy's family is going through right now, and I'm sure Larry's family is in shock as well. It's a reminder that we never really know what someone is capable of, and how quickly a seemingly innocent situation can turn deadly. Sorry if I had a ton of unnecessary details but I don't know what is or is not relevant or important. Also I am unsure if this was a cryptic or black magic. This is my mom's encounter from the 60s when my mom was 15. I can't ask her really specific details because she hates talking about this encounter. When my mom was 15 she went with her aunt, aunt's friend, and two of her cousins to a small town near Cartagena, Colombia. 
They stayed with her other aunt, who apparently was into black magic, her son. My mom emphasized how she believed that aunt's son should have murders her if he had the chance. Black magic and also had a black cat that my mother described as strange and demonic. They stayed with her black magic aunt for three days. On the second day my mom, her normal aunt, and aunt's friend decided to punch holes into an old box, trap the cat, and put it on a car leading straight to Cartagena. That night they had their encounter. My mom said shortly after the sun set the house started to shake. It shook with such force that she believed that house would collapse. Her cousins were asleep before the house began to shake but her aunt and aunt's friend were awake. The three of them cowered in fear for hours. My mom managed to fall asleep because prayed the rosary while focusing on a Mary statue in her math class. In the morning after the house stoked shaking normal aunt and aunt's friend woke my mom and her cousins rushed them to a cab with their luggage and left before magic aunt or her son awoke. My mom has told this story thousands of time and I believe it to be 100% true. I'm curious about what she encounters that night and want to learn more about it. Any info will be greatly appreciated. I know it sounds like black magic but that cat makes me wonder. Also my mom did put food and water in the box as well as tell the driver about the cat and to let it out when they reached the city. I still remember the eerie feeling I had that night. It was dark, and my friend and I were walking to the service station just 5 minutes away from my house. We were talking about the Australian skinny boys, also known as the NSW body snatchers when I warned my friend not to look into the trees or acknowledge anything strange. After grabbing some food, we decided to hang around the park for a bit. But as it started to get dark, we knew we had to make our way back. The paddock was almost right in front of my house, and I was familiar with the goats and horse that lived there, but I noticed there were no cows. Little did I know that was about to become important. As we were walking, we suddenly heard a screeching noise that sounded like a cow being attacked. I was unsure if I was hallucinating, so I turned to my friend and asked if she had heard it too. She confirmed that she did, and that's when I knew we had to stay calm and quietly make our way to the front of my house. I could feel the anxiety rising within us as we walked, the feeling of being watched looming over us. This wasn't the first time this had happened to us. We had encountered a small snake that turned into a feral dog and chased us back to my house before. It seemed like we were always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Finally, we made it to the front of the house and breathed a sigh of relief. The rest of the night was spent with us feeling uneasy, but luckily, nothing else happened. Looking back on that night, I realized how important it was to stay calm and not make any sudden movements. It's always better to be safe than sorry, especially when it comes to encounters with unknown creatures. I believe that a lot of people get signs before something really bad is going to happen. Two nights ago I woke up screaming from a very lucid horrible dream where in the woods outside my house I heard someone in pain calling for help. I go to them and find a naked humanoid deer creature that turned on me. I believe that thing was a skinwalker. Then last night around 3 am I heard and felt what sounded like something very large hitting the side of my house. 
Very clearly I could tell it was happening in the area outside of my kitchen and either next to or below my kitchen window. I was in my living room sitting on the couch where there is even a wall between the living room and kitchen. But this sound was so loud it could be heard throughout the whole house and while I was already awake, the sound scared my cats, also woke up my sleeping daughter and partner. I could feel the wall behind me and the floor vibrate, along with the dishes and kitchen cupboards rattling around from the impact. This happened at least twice I'm certain, maybe once more but after the second time I was so scared I ran to check on my family. There was about a 10 seconds pause between the sounds. After the dream I had I haven't been able to sleep in fear plus the loud noises are keeping me up too. Made sure to lock everything just in case. I'm wondering if the events are connected at all? If anyone can give me tips or help ease my mind I'd appreciate it. The other day I was driving home and as I came around a curve there was an animal that I thought was a goat at first. It ran away from me and got far enough away that I couldn't see it in my headlights. And it ran across the road and hid behind a bush. It was smart enough to pivot around the bush as I drove by it. It was extremely pale and looked like a camel shape. It moved like a Chinese dragon and looked like it was made out of a bedsheet. If y'all have any questions please ask I'm seriously trying to figure out what I saw natural or supernatural. Don't know if this helps but I'm from North Carolina and this all happened next to a cow pasture, wasn't a cow because they only have brown cows no white ones. And I grew up around cows. They don't move look like that. It was probably about 4 to 5 feet tall and about 6 or feet long. It was a pretty big animal. When I was around 12-14 years old I used to ride my quad literally everywhere. My town was literally on top of a cliff overlooking the river next to a decent amount of woods. These woods were filled with Native American artifacts, it wasn't well known in fear that an archaeological group museum would come in and clear the land for anything that was left, there was also a burial ground the locals were trying to preserve. Plus I think it may be illegal. Anyway. There were still people who would dig next to the quad trails trying to find these artifacts. To dig for these artifacts you need to go abu less than a foot into the clay and usually that's where they'd be. To do this you only need small gardening tools. Hand trowel, hand shovel etc. You wouldn't use anything bigger cause you'll dig too deep. While I was riding my quad one day with my friend on the back I came around a tight corner with no view what was around the turn because it was so grown in. Going way too fast cause I was just a reckless kid, I came to a dead stop when a man was in the most misplaced spot right in the way of the trail. This isn't the biggest town, and growing up there my whole life there wasn't many people I didn't know especially in the woods because it was my frequent hangout and I've never seen this guy before. This trail was up above the trail where people normally dig, on the very top of the cliff overlooking the river where anyone would know not to dig for artifacts because it's too rocky. This guy was just as startled as I was. He nervously locked eyes with mine and we just stared at each other for a couple seconds. He doesn't say a word I don't say a word because he was creepy as hell look in and then he nervously blurts out him digging for arrowheads. I think I just gave him a head nod and because he was blocking the way I put the quad in reverse and started backing down the trail slowly, 
keeping eye contact the entire time. I took notice to the fact he had a regular wooden-handled steel digging shovel with two large black garbage bags behind him, that were definitely filled with something. He had already dug a pretty big hole I'd say ATLE's 3 foot deep and 5 foot wide. The tone in his voice was like he knew I didn't believe for a second he was digging for arrowheads, nobody that knew they were there was that uninformed on the tools needed to find them. Me and my friend both thought what was in those bags but as kids we kinda brushed it off and went about our day. It wasn't until a year or two later I really thought about it and I went back to the spot, I guess to dig them up and find out, I don't quite remember what my intentions were. That location was so grown and I couldn't pinpoint exactly where he was standing so I never did find it again. I tried a couple more times later but nothing ever came out of it. Until this day I always wonder why that guy was so shady if he was burying a human body or body parts, if so he was smart because people didn't venture up there and he knew it would only become more grown in. As a child saw a ghost of what looked like either an elderly miner or farmer. Except wearing a striped cap like railway workers wore in the 30s. In a section of our home's basement which was being extended. The opened up area was about 10 feet wide and equally deep. Was still mostly filled with dirt except for where the foundation had been knocked out to add the expanded room. He just sat in a crouch looking at me. I was about 10. And of course my family wrote it off as me being afraid of the dark, which I was. Years later my mom saw him too in the finished room. No idea who he was or why he was there. He never spoke. Still curious almost 50 years later about why he was there. When I was at university I had my crush over to watch a movie, it ended around midnight. As we were walking out of my living room I turned off the lights and gave her a hug. She buried her face in my neck, one of those cute sort of hugs. When she looked up she froze with her face just visible out of the corner of my eye. She had the most terrified expression and her arms just locked me in place. Never been that squeezed slash crushed before. I'm kinda chill at first like okay this is weird but not that weird. Then she just starts trembling and crying without moving her face at all and I'm just stuck there convinced she is seeing someone slash something over my shoulder. I start pushing her away and saying, this isn't funny what the f? She doesn't let go and this goes on for 2 minutes straight, meanwhile I'm just repeating, what the f, what the f, over and over, convinced I'm about to get stabbed or possessed by whatever the f she is staring at. She gave a shudder at the end and just glanced at me with a look that said, what's gotten into you? I say, what the f just happened? And she just stares at me blankly like she has no idea what I'm talking about. I told her she needed to leave and then I drove to spend the night at a friend's dorm room on the floor. Never been so freaked out in my life. For anyone wondering, I did see her again and more shit happened but never to that level of creep show. I'm a softie at heart and I figured the girl just needed help or had some level of emotional instability. <laughs>